I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network. All right, we are back for episode 86 of Digital Divination. And as you can tell, this is a very special episode because we have a guest, Ron Lundin, who's come back from some other place uh, to join us for this episode. Welcome, Ron. Well, oh, I thought the guest you were talking about is the Mandalorian mannequin behind you. That's oh. been your guest for a couple of sessions now. Yeah, he was yeah, here last true. time, too. He, he's been helping me through some stuff. Ninjar has been, been really awesome. Um, before we get started, um, most people know that uh, Ron is a lawyer. And I'm going to let Ron make a disclaimer at this point, just to make sure he doesn't get in trouble with anything. Oh, it is a required disclaimer. I am an employee of Wizards of the Coast, but any views I express here are mine only and do not reflect those of Wizards of the Coast. All right. Excellent. I just want to make sure we got that knocked out and um, because I knew we had to do it. (laughs) Right. Well, I I just want to say that the views that I express in this podcast are the express views of the Wizards of the Coast. So you don't know that. Wait, oh, that's that's fair, wait, did I, right? Did I say Coast? Sorry, I meant Toast. Wizards of the Toast. <laughs> I'm being sponsored. I'm being sponsored by a new uh, appliance company. Alrighty, Wizards of the Toast. That's yeah. uh, that's that's great. Yes, yes. I was gonna say something about Gizzards of. The most, but I don't know. I don't have anything there. So, <laughs> but speaking of gizzards, um, one of the, another no. reason why I brought... <laughs> that, that's, I just want to acknowledge the best segue that's, I've that's probably heard in one. all of 2023. All right. So speaking of that, um, so I asked Ron if he could come in and fill in for me because I had a really major surgery on my abdomen. I showed Ron a picture of it. Um, Jason, I don't know if you want to see it, but. I'm it's good. a really big incision, okay? And they sure. opened me up, and they took out some of my organs that weren't working really well and sewed me back mm-hmm. up. And this is a week and a half ago. So um, I wasn't sure how functioning I would be at this point. Uh had a week in the hospital now, about uh, five days at home. Doing pretty good, but still, still a little uh, pain and discomfort, obviously, to deal with. Because my gizzard's been uh, kind of opened yeah. up. So thanks so much, Ron. Have been, have been mosted. Yes. You've Mostly been roasted, shrunken. Maybe, but... <laughs> Mostly shrunken. And, and then they didn't they move up the surgery a little bit too. So this was going to be like at a time yes. where you may have already been, you may have been in the hospital since they did it right. earlier. You're out of the hospital. And, yeah, it and was scheduled joining, to be originally the 23rd, which was two days ago. Then it got moved yeah. up 10 days. So there's like no way I could have done it. Uh, and especially like I, I, the first, my first four days after surgery was the hardest four days of my life. Mm. It was really, yeah. really. Oh my goodness. Luckily I had some great painkillers, but it was just, uh, unfortunately one of the things that happens is you get a lot of gas buildup in your systems because your gizzards, your bowels aren't moving things through. And so mm. I was just like super, super like bloated and it was putting mm. so much pressure on my lungs. I had a hard time breathing. Um, oh no. Oh my goodness. I was like laboring to breathe every 
every second of the day for like three days until it finally started moving. Um, so it was, I, it's like, it's like feeling like you're suffocating, but you're, you know, you're not kind right. of thing. And it's just, it's just weird, you know? Anyway, oh, yeah. that's actually that's a, that sounds suspicious. My brother had COVID. I was hospitalized for it. And he said it was just one of the things where you breathe in, you take like half half of your usual breath in. Yeah. And then suddenly you realize, wait, I can't breathe in any more than this. Yes. With that, you know, without feeling the strain, without feeling it hurting. He said it was just breathing was the most awful thing. Yes. So, But mo- most importantly, how are you doing now, John? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm getting up and about. Um, you know, it's a long whole healing process but you know i went up to camino we're dealing with contractors and stuff still I got a nephew up there painting um mostly i can do like a couple hours vertical like sitting up and then i gotta take a break because mm-hmm. my um well you know basically they cut through all the stomach muscles so all that's yeah. you know it's, it's a vertical slit so it's not as bad as it could be but those still kind of get wore out um okay. so like so we have a hard Hard 120 minute limit on today's podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't already. think we're going to go that far. Um, I was going to yeah. say, so for, I saw the email for Wednesday night's game, though. Um, I'll come. I may have to go sit on that, lay on the couch occasionally during the game. Okay. <laughs> so, There's a- so, you know, I'll be uh, throwing my dice long distance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what did I end up with? Okay. So. But anyway, um, yeah, thanks so much uh, for joining us here, and I'm and I'm glad to hear that um, you you might be more available for doing things down the road. I think that's well, that, you know, from time to time, absolutely. I think that the uh, um, the there's something really important about seeing you know people that are creators of of the stuff that you love and hearing what they have to say. That's one. I mean, one of the reasons I tune in every show for the two of you. I mean, you're wow. you're you're both creating stuff that I like and I want to hear you talk about it. Even if I have to wait like a long time to hear about Jason's pistol dancer. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Was it worth it? I don't know. It was, it was was all that buildup. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 I'm glad to to hear three sessions and talk. And it's it's almost (laughs) like uh, Jimmy Kimmel and and Ben Affleck. Oh, you know, apologies Mm, to Ben Affleck. We're going to have to bump (laughs) you until next time. That was the pistol dancer, right? You know? Yeah. So, Anyway, um, for today, I thought we would kind of keep the topic uh, a little, a little light and unfocused, probably. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's that's what we do best. I know. Yeah, I was going to say not not different than what we would normally do, but I thought we could, uh, in light of the fact that um, you know there's there's a lot of changes going on in the uh, tabletop RPG industry with new versions coming out, um, Paizo's remastered whatever wizards of the coast is doing. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Um, I know uh, cobalt press is coming out with their new thing. Um, so there's mm-hmm. lots of new, uh, savage lands just announced uh, second edition, right? So lots no. of, Oh wait, did they, I've yeah. been really excited about yeah, it savage, was a, announced like savage Origins, worlds, right? Savage worlds. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So I saw that. I was like, Oh, well, that's kind of cool. So, you know, a lot of folks are kind of revamping things. So I thought maybe we could talk about like the, our perception is, Nobody here who is currently working on Starfinder of um, mm-hmm. the future of Starfinder. See? Okay. So something like that. And uh, I know Ron jokingly said that this is great. Jason can tell us all about that um, <laughs> earlier, but I know Jason doesn't know. 
because uh, I know a few went... things, but I can't say. I know that's right. That's fair. That's fair. You know. I made my disclaimer about my employer earlier. We understand Indeed. you've got a disclaimer about yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me before we talk about the future. I think one of the things that I really want to point out about the past, past and present, maybe of Starfinder, sure. is there have been a. It's just it's 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 success, and I think it has. I think what the what its success is really attributable to is that there just aren't a lot of other. Uh, science fiction role-playing games that mm-hmm. have a lot of stickiness, right? Right. I mm-hmm. mean, Traveler is has been w- really long-running, and I know people that are big fans of that, but it's sort of, you know, kind of, you know, it has occasional, it's just kind of a low-level presence there. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of people that have Star Wars or Star Trek role-playing, science fiction role-playing games, and then they end up changing licenses or moving from company to company, so they don't actually seem to stick around very long. I think Starfinder is now at the point where it's a world that people, it, that is really richly textured, has a lot to it. And it, by this point, we can say it's kind of been around for a really long time. It's proven quite a bit of staying power. Yeah. So before we talk about where it's going to go, I think yeah. one of the things we have to recognize is that it's really a big success just in getting to where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's, it, go ahead. I was to say it kind of I mean, not that it wasn't intended to be, but it was kind of a created as a bit of a, a, a stopgap between first and, and second edition Pathfinder to be like, well, let's put out something. And we had a lot of people who are passionate about it at the company. Um, and, and, you know, like Pathfinder takes place in in a world where there are other planets in the system. Right. Like there's there is a small science fiction element to it to begin with, uh, but in filtered through the lens more through like uh, uh, what's it called? S- uh, spell and sorcery. No, sword and sword and lasers or whatever you want to you know that sort of genre you know john carter kind of stuff um but then they sort of take that and and, and move it fully into science fiction or science fantasy um uh, it was the uh was the intent to, to sort of be like hey you know we can do other things you know and then put, pull some pressure off on of, of pathfinding a little bit so that we can move on to second edition but that, it, but it's but it's been a great success for that. Yeah, and that and that's kind of where I wanted to build up on, you know, the fact that it started up as is more of the stopgap and that's been now 6 years ago. Yeah. Right? 6 years ago. Right. And if if you think back or if I think back um to, you know, uh with with uh when second edition started the genesis in people's minds, right? I imagine that had to happen around the sixth or seventh year of Pathfinder. And they had to start thinking, hey, we need to come up with a new edition for this because it's a several year process, if, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, you know, for doing oh, that. Yeah. And they had the, the testing and everything else from that. So one of the things that gets me thinking is that within the next couple of years, if not already, and I'm not going to ask for any confirmation of this, that Starfinder should be going through that iteration as well. Now, we just had Starfinder Enhanced announced, and it's going to be coming out in October. Uh, it would be really silly yeah. to, to do Starfinder Enhanced and then the next year say, oh, we're going to crash the whole system. But I would expect that maybe three years from now that we'd be looking at a playtest as a minimum. That's kind of my educated game. I don't know it, it it might be sooner than that I think that the uh well I got two two thoughts about that I think I think first we you mentioned that we both meant 
you two both mentioned the stop gap, and I, I, I'm sure our listeners know that specifically that is the gap between Pathfinder First Edition and Pathfinder Second Edition. Because yes. as soon as you announce a new edition of a game, sales generally just really start to decline. Um, and I, and apparently, I mean, that's where I got put on the uh, Pathfinder Adventure Path line was to shepherd the very last of the first edition adventure path. They're like, okay, new guy, you can't possibly screw up the sales of this one. <laughs> so you go. Um, but the, I do think they're, they're, I can certainly see a, uh, universe in which Starfinder enhanced comes out this fall. Is that September, October? O- I want to say October, I believe. Yeah. yeah. October. Yeah where it comes out this fall, and then sometimes maybe even early next year, Paizo lets the public know, hey, Starfinder Enhanced was kind of mm. finishing, right? It was Last the icing it, on the yeah. cake of Starfinder. You know, we'll do some more adventures maybe, but we're kind of not doing a whole lot. We, we call that done now. Some of the initial, you know, things about Witch Warpers and Technomancers and Solarians, they're better now we've got our sort of ideal version of those Mm -hmm. and we're rolling into a starfinder second edition and i certainly would expect that they'd be like and as a stopgap between the two we're announcing rangefinder the wild west version of pathfinder oh yeah yeah and and each time that each time they keep building more and more games to cover the (laughs) gaps between my god right it just keeps stacking up so well, um, I mean, um, so to, to, to talk about uh, one of those things, Ron, like you know, like we know that there's going to be another adventure path uh, coming out next year, Mechageddon, because that was right. announced pretty recently. So, but that is not coming out. That is coming out after Enhance. So there is, you know, plans to continue with 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 current Starfinder at least visible to the public, right? Um, so, oh wait, wait, then my timing's wrong. Mechageddon is not 2023. No, no, it. No, oh, um, how it long was, are you going to make me wait for? It sounds awesome, and you're making me wait for longer awesome. than I thought I had it, to wait. It, it it is it is it has been I think was was going to be a little bit around enhanced the same time, okay. and then it got pushed a bit uh, because you know uh, some people left the company and some other people moved around in the company. You know all that kind of stuff happens, and and uh, so there was there was uh, not a whole lot of people in Starfinder for a little bit, uh, and then. Uh, now they're, you know, that Dustin's on the team. Um, and so there's a little more room to sort of get back on track, essentially. Right. And, and like you said, a lot of people were from Starfinder kind of pulled over to help with the remaster. So, uh, a, not a lot of, cr- um, uh, uh, work hours have been being put into Starfinder as, as they could have be, right. Because mm-hmm. putting out other fires as usual. Yeah. It's something Jason and I actually talked uh, about offline before about the remastered versions of, of second edition. Uh, oh yeah. Getting some, some of the Starfinder support there, but along those lines though, I would think that, you know, once those remastered books are, are done and, and kicking out, right. Which will be next year that Starfinder remastered or whatever they want to call it, that you'd think that would be next on the docket as well though. I mean, we're on the the brink of the you know the orc license coming right. out and and you know being attached to the uh, remaster the Pathfinder remaster you know it it seems like it's a, a ripe time to start thinking about instead of just reprinting the core rulebook again with a different license in the back of it what about 
you know, more, more stuff or different stuff or, or, you know, taking the, like, like you said, maybe, a, maybe a Starfinder remaster that takes, uh, uh, some of the other, some of the, uh, APG, you know, whatever, um, not APG, the, uh, the, the character operations manual the comp. Classes, yeah, the comp, the comp. and putting them in sort of core, right. And then right. switching things around. Right. Like they're doing with, with, the with the Pathfinder remaster. Well, but if we, if we, skip that back right i now i'm now so i mean it's been more than a year since i left Pi, just over a year since i left paizo so my window into like what people are working on when is now pure guesswork sure. but if but the remaster the re, two remaster books that are coming out this fall are probably already like done and approved and off to the printers are close to it and the next two are probably not that much farther to go right even though we're not going to see them until next year they get to the i mean they get you know done with and out of everybody's hands many months before that and that's the point at which people would be working on whatever's next and whatever that next is hasn't been announced yet maybe it's another couple of remaster books maybe it is starfinder in some remaster way whatever the next is is probably pretty close to the things people are going to be working on now yeah, I mean, you have to think about like um, the uh, we have the design team, right? And the design team did actually do a lot of work on the original Starfinder, uh, although it was eventually turned over to the Starfinder team uh, to sort of finish things off, like Owen and, and Rob McCreary to to polish up the classes and stuff like that. But there were a lot of the sort of core stuff was was worked on by the design team. So is a star a second edition of Starfinder uh, for there to be room on the design team's plate? the Pathfinder remaster has got to be done and yeah. dusted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it is definitely sometime in the future. Um, I mean, I mean, we don't know what the future will hold, obviously, but like, like right. it would have to be in the future. It, it having, you know, doing, doing the work sort of, you know, uh, now yeah. issues would, would, is a lot of, a lot I of would imagine that when that started forward. taking place, we would see some more, the Starfinder team's tiny now. I think yeah. we might see a little bit more hiring. <laughs> Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Or, that, yeah. Or, or contraction in the number of products, right? I oh, think that yeah. the move from um, monthly to bi-monthly uh, APs and then to some of the stuff that's coming out of single volumes, that's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I that's, that's great. That's a great move. Right. And I, I think we've already sort of like, because we haven't had another... I mean, you know, I think of the announcement process is always so far in advance for me uh you know we now starfinder hands like what is there a hardcover after starfinder hands right but we know we know about mech again that's coming out but nothing else right. has been announced maybe mm -hmm. there is already been a sort of contraction of, 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 of products and right, um, right. that sort of thing but you know but we don't know uh, exactly yeah well, and that's kind of ideal for starfinder enhanced yeah. because what you don't want to do is say here is sort of we've we've made sort of improvements to the you know the core rule. We're here. We frosted the cake of the of the sure. rules here in this pretty way, and now we're not going to serve you a piece. I mean, so Mechageddon coming out afterward is great because it's yeah. like, hey, we've done done these updates, these sort of quality of life updates to the rules. Now we're literally giving you a thing to go play with them. Yeah. Right, right. So, all that being said, though, people will when or if Starfinder second edition comes out, people will still play first edition. People are still playing first edition Pathfinder, right? Mm -hmm. So having yeah. this sort of ideal version of quote unquote first edition Starfinder is good to have out there for the people who want to keep supporting it. And, you know, we'll still be putting out maps and other small things that you can use with your games uh, that don't have a, a necessarily a, um, 
uh, mechanical tie-in, exactly. There's still Starfindery, yep. but you right. don't need to have second edition to use this map or these cards, maybe. Maybe there's a weird face deck or something like that. I think um, there's a thing... No, it's come out. The Starfinder deck of NPCs is out there. The, NP- the deck of many NPCs for yeah, for, Starfinder? for Starfinder. I think it's out there. I think I have it. <laughs> I have it. I have a physical <laughs> copy of it. So I think it's out there. At least it's been. It has to have been announced because I have a physical copy. Of Probably it. was okay. announced. No I don't know that I have a copy yeah. of it. So okay, it's maybe I, have it out there. I mean, my Pathfinder one is right here. Sure. Yes. But but that was the a little bit ago. One, yeah. Um, yeah. Because actually, I. I mean, I know I worked on that, so it's been a bit. Uh, you know, uh, since it since it since that's been it was concepted and and and, and done, um, uh, and those are things that you don't really need the rules for. It's just like here's some right. names and some some um, uh, I mean not names, but here's some species and here's some some planets and here's some um, uh, uh, motivations and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think an important thing to remember: I'm a huge Starfinder fan, as I know you guys are as well. What? Starfinder, the, the player base is like twenty percent of the Pathfinder oh, sure. player base. It's it's a lot tinier. So to to invest a lot of time and effort and and uh, like they're doing the Pathfinder now, uh, it's got to be a secondary tertiary concern. You know they have way bigger fish to, to fry, and when they can get to that, they they will. So there's obviously not going to be a lot of hurry there, right? Well, that was that was my point about the timing. I mean those. It's some degree, a lot of those fish are already fried or finishing up the frying, and then they can move. Once yeah. they move and know what they're going to do and it's appropriate allocation of resources, then then they start making like the announcements and get everybody sort of hyped for the stuff that's coming out. Sure, yeah. So, oh, I want to ask a sort of a related question to the two of you that I don't think either we've talked about yet. Why do you think fantasy games are generally more popular than science fiction games like in, ter- in terms of market audience? Ooh, I have a guess. Can I make my guess? Hey, make your guess. Um, fantasy games can be disconnected from the setting much more easily than sci-fi games can be disconnected from the setting. Because as soon as you've got the sort of general, there are elves and dwarves and dragons and fireballs, then whether those are Game of Thrones type dragons and fireballs or whether they're you know, they're J.R.R. Tolkien-types dwarves and elves, or whether there's something that's kind of a mix of those or a variant of those that you make up yourself, super easy to do. You've got kind of all the tools from a lot of different intellectual properties that have all been kind of thrown in together. But science fiction, science fiction worlds tend to be defined more narrowly on what they have or they don't have, right? So you've got... Star Wars, which is it has its own sort of things in it that Star Trek doesn't have, that games like Mass Effect, you know, do entirely differently, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so there isn't sort of this sort of smooth agreement about, mm-hmm. well, at least mm-hmm. there's, you know, dwarves and elves and dragons and fireballs in it throughout, uh, uh, throughout science fiction. So I think that what that means is people who are making science fiction games are are sort of one of the first things one of the first hurdles they have to make is all right well here's how our science fiction maybe it's going to be like other science fiction but here's the way in which ours differs right and starfinder does that with and we specifically have magic and we specifically have sort of this multicultural world and even if you're not using the pact worlds 
the rule system itself requires sort of a multiculturalism that is an assumption that a lot of science fiction might not have, for example. Yeah, that's so true. Um, that's, that's why I think science fiction role-playing games tend to not do as well is because they need to cling to an IP or some sort of, if not an existing intellectual property, a vision of the game universe that is more uh, distinct than sort of the broad fantasy ones can be. There's my answer. Good I'm gonna, answer. Um, I'm going to add something to that. Uh, and I'm going to say a lot of it is generational and depth of history. You know, you think of the hundreds of years now that we've had fantasy writing available compared to what is now how much we've had of the hard science fiction. And when you look at generationally, if you look at video games, there aren't very many fantasy video games, right? Hmm. There's way more science fiction-y video games. Even, hmm. even growing up as a kid, you know, they would have, you'd have some uh, dungeon quest or you'd have, you know, some early video games. But you had a lot more of the attacking aliens or whatever. Uh, so something about maybe the 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 context, you know, the in a video game context, maybe something more modern sci-fi just kind of made more sense to people. But is is somebody growing up and you know, for me, I coming across generations, you know, I know folks <laughs> older than me are way more into uh, the the you know dwarves and elves and fantasy stuff than they are into the sci-fi type of video games, um, though they still might be into sci-fi. And so maybe it's just kind of generationally what they grew up with reading and playing versus mm -hmm. like younger people. A lot of them are doing video games. Um, and so maybe that's kind of where we've seen growth over. I don't know. I'm just kind of thinking of a different yeah, answer I than Ron. That's fine. What do you think, um, Jason? Yeah, to think about the video games thing, I, I if you're saying more recently they're they're more sci-fi than fantasy, that's probably true. I feel like it, me growing up, I can't. I can think of probably about an equal number of both of those, honestly, genre-wise. Like you know, I played a lot of. I mean, you know, my Magic and Ultima and Bard's Tale, and and very much based off of Dungeons and Dragons and a very right, and the right, right, gold right. box SSI stuff, right? But also, you know, you know, like one of those earlier. Um, Atari 2600 games is adventure, right? And that's got a dragon in it. And, but I think the part of the reason of this, uh, sort of to go to talk about, sort of tack on to what Juan said, is that um, the way fantasy works, it kind of looks backwards, right? And that back, what you look behind you is kind of always the same in a lot of ways, right? But science fiction looks forward and science fiction guesses a lot about what the future is going to be and then the future comes and then the the, the the science fiction is either wrong or right so like you look at something that's like the 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 first bunch of science fiction is going to the moon how do they go to the moon out of a big bullet which is not too far from a rocket but like you know it's different enough and there was there's no uh, you know not to say there's no but there's probably like a very small sliver of jules verne-esque sci-fi games that exist right that right. vision of the future doesn't isn't stick in our minds because we've passed that time uh, essentially right, right? I, you know, I played a lot of space 1889 role-playing yeah, game when i was younger are, that's yeah. yeah exactly and and like then you think about like uh you, moving up you think about like uh stuff from the 70s and 80s the cassette futurism of alien or or right. uh, uh 2001 right um 
what hey what year is it it's 2023 we've gone 20 some years past 2001 a space odyssey right like it's out of date in a lot of ways whereas the past can never be out of date because it's behind us and it has already happened so that's why i think people can it's it's it's, it's sort of related with Durant said people can kind of grok fantasy a lot easier right as a whole yeah. than grokking sci-fi because a lot of people think about it as one way. Is it, is it the expanse hard sci-fi only human situation or is it a star Wars cantina situation or is it a star Trek types? You know, there's, there's humans, but there's also aliens, but they have a different vibe, you know, like, cause cause star star Wars has kind of a weird, um, it's the future and, you know, it's future, it's science fictiony, but it's kind of fantasy ish. And it's, you know, you go to bars and, 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 you know, obviously there's a hokey old time religion, but like everything's kind of grungier. And whereas you look at like Star yeah, War, yeah. Star Trek, it's very, very high tech right, and, right, and, right. and clean lines and that sort of thing. So there's clearly lots of different aesthetics. Sci-fi can do so much and fantasy can do a ton too, but it like, like what Ron said, there's kind of a core thing that makes it fantasy. Uh, right. and you can kind of grab onto that. Um, when, well, let me, I was, let me, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I want to I want to play on that a little bit um, by letting you guys know um, I was at Mopop today, the Museum Ooh. of Pop Culture here in Seattle. Nice. It's great. I'd been there once, it. but it was years ago. Okay. And here's something that that feeds right into this conversation. They've got a fantasy room, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of fantasy exhibits, and I can see a, a sort of role playing game universe or some sort of literary universe in which all of those things are in it, right? So yeah. you've got the outfit that the cowardly lion wore in the Wizard of Oz. Okay, so you got this sort of, you know, talking animal. Yeah. You've got the helmet and axe that Gimli had in Lord of the Rings. You've got some of the robes from the Harry Potter franchise. You've got the um, a lot of the puppets from the latest Dark Crystal Age of Ooh, Resistance thing. Nice. I could I could walk around that whole room and think, all right, all of these might exist in the same world. But when I do the same in the sci-fi room, where I'm like, oh, here's the outfit uh, that I think Daryl Hannah wore in Blade Runner, right. and it's just across the way from a Dalek from Doctor Who, and over here is one of the actual models used for the AT-ATs on Hoth and Empire Strikes Back. No, no, these are all very different. There's, I, I, had really, I had to really struggle to think how those could ever exist in, like, all kind of thrown into the same game. Yeah. Uh, uh, to sort of say what when when I was working on the um, Fortune's Fool tarot based game, the original idea of it it was going to be a modern day you know urban fantasy with angels and, and devils and demons and sort of uh, setting. And when we were thinking about it, it was like, well, we got to teach the people how to use the tarot cards in this way. And the system itself has you know and how you manipulate the deck when you're favored with fate and, and, and cast spells and all that kind of stuff. That's its own thing. And then to sort of tack on this setting stuff which is again i would have to you'd have to explain what it is and and how how it works how the magic works you know like 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 in in a modern sense it was two things that people would have to learn as a barrier to entry so what we did is we said well let's just make it elves and dwarves and throw it into a sort of like you know the real world renaissance which people can kind of understand by going to renaissance fair you know like they kind of get a general idea i mean it was it was not supposed to be the historical renaissance it was kind of like the idea of the renaissance but you could have shakespeare and you could have galileo and you could have those people in it uh but they could also be contemporaries even though they were literally hundreds of you know lived hundreds of years apart um 
and and that's what I think made it sort of a, easier to grok for people to go, oh, I can understand. I want to be an elf who's a noble who you know can maybe cast some spells. Oh, I pick these things and I make my character. Now I've got to understand how that character works with the tarot deck, right? So um, just to get back on the sort of like why why fantasy is as big as it is because it has that sort of touchstone of 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 of, of the depth of of people i guess it's inertia almost right the inertia yeah. of the past right yeah 100 no, um, yeah, but to to for, how would you change looking, what would you change to make science fantasy more tractable for people though i mean i think that's kind of what starfinder does honestly mm -hmm. right because it has the magic and it has dragons and it has elves people can kind of grok that a little bit and you can see a lot of people going like well i just want to play a space dwarf great you can play a space dwarf and and i know about dwarves and i just put space in front of it and that and, and that's enough of a you know a little bit of a flavor twist and you can still be mining in a you know going into a dungeon that happens to be in a spaceship or a giant planet or something like that like starfinder does because it comes from pathfinder it it has that um that 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 uh, I don't want to use inertia again, but it has that sort of touchstone that yeah, nope. you can go with and, and and move. And then we can throw in, oh, do you want to be a, a blob person? You can be a blob person. You want to be a weird uh, a jellyfish, a, a weird starfish with eyeballs uh, for, on on their elbows. Great, yeah. And they change shape, they change shape. Yeah, I, I get it. I grok it. And 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 for the people who really want all the wild stuff, and here's a hundred different playable species you can choose from. Go nuts um and you can just yeah so i i think that i think that's the way and and, I, and that's why i think starfinder has the cash that it does because it, then the people like it and they can get it like well finally i can get my lasers i can have my elf shoot a laser gun i mean like all what was it keep on the borderlands eventually you said oh my gosh you're in a crash spaceship i mean you know pathfinder has oh the expedition to the barrier piece. Expedition to the barrier i remember piece. that that's yeah 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 everyone nearly Man. every one of the old might and magic role-playing video games did that you got to the high oh, level yeah. you were the, oh my god now i'm fighting robots with lasers and but it you know it, it still works because oh it's a crash spaceship on a fantasy world you know or, or the world was built to look like a fantasy world but it was really by by you know people of a higher intelligence just for the reason to um yeah. uh 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 and and so i cursed and it that threw me off i don't know why i cursed uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> no, i get it all the curse time out. i'm oh. just gonna say i'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, uh uh but uh but yeah 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 i think that's what yeah helps starfinder stick i've been stuck around for six years or however long it's been well i think i think you're not wrong i have another reason though why 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 starfinder's been so successful Part of the thing that makes fantasy kind of one thing that has a lot of different entry points, you know, the the, uh, the you know, George R. R. Martin type of stuff, and then some mm -hmm. of the new things that come in, the Patrick Rothfuss is doing and things. I mean, it's the way that a lot of people can come into it. Fantasy itself accommodates a lot of different types of stories and um, uh, tropes. And one of the things that makes Starfinder very successful, I think, is that Starfinder has been, works very, very hard to accommodate every kind of trope. You know, you want to be, you want to play Starship Troopers fantasy. Great. Not only do we, can we accommodate that, we've got this whole six part adventure path yeah. that you can go do just that Starship Troopers fantasy. Do you want to be kind of the, you know, the gritty, seedy underbelly of a sprawling urban metropolis. Well, hey, there's a space station that's all about that, that you can go do it. You want to be Barsoom, where you're, you know, full-on John Carter. 
there's the full on John Carter planet. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I really like about Starfinder is when people say, I wish I could play an adventure in which a sci-fi adventure in which X, I almost can immediately can tell you where or how you'd set that kind of thing in Starfinder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. indeed. It's the same, uh, uh, unsurprisingly, the same ethos as the world of Galarian has all of these different various fantasy takes right you know uh, ancient egyptian fantasy uh, 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 you know french revolution fantasy weird devil worshiping fantasy you know you know it's it's, it's the fan it's the the the, the cliche fantasy map where you're like over here's this world and over here's that you know that it makes it like almost like an amusement park um is taken to the extreme in starfinder because you can also just make a whole world in the amusement park wink um and then uh uh you know, have all those stories you're talking about. Do you want to do, um, a, you know, a time travel venture? Well, we don't quite have the rules for that yet, but like, hey, it would not be difficult to do. Uh, you want to do, you know, again, the, all the other things that you were talking about, Ron. You, we have the, the not only like the ability for the rules to kind of work that way, but like literally we can point at a place that's in the setting and say, that's the place to do that if you want to. Or, you know, and then sometimes we flesh it out even more, right? So you can get deep and, 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 really get into the stuff that you, know, you want to do hey there's the here's the mechs fighting kaiju planet great that's what people want that that you know get people excited so i have a question then given the kind of the malleability of the starfinder universe and rule set and everything what if anything is missing from starfinder well, I did just sort of point, point out time travel, which is a thing. Time that travel I, was exactly the thing that I yeah, would say. It doesn't. Time travel. It's got yeah, a missing on. piece of history, and that makes any story that has you jumping around through history really hard to do. Um, yes. And so that's, that. That well, I mean, that yeah. gap is sort of a you know you may not pass kind of time travelish kind of thing. Right, and, and and if you were to, I want I could talk about how to do how I would have done uh, time travel and Starfinder for forever. Cause it is a, it is one of my favorite sci-fi things. Um, uh, and, uh, we you know, I think that sort of, you can get around that idea, uh, by not necessarily saying you get a time machine and you can go and do whatever you want. It's, you know, it's a, you get shunted through time because of, you know, uh, you know, we have, we know we have now a, um, uh, a precog who's got this, a, this idea so it's a, time travel's in there a little bit it's like oh i'm from the past or i'm from the future and now i'm in this world and now i you know have these powers because i maybe i remember the future right so there's a with the precog there's in galactic magic there's a little bit of that in there but we still haven't gone and laid out like how would you do a time travel campaign in starfinder you know i think you'd have to go in, in, a, in a certain way yeah there's actually a uh, there were a, there's a set of uh organized play specials One's a mm. Pathfinder, one's a Starfinder that are tied together via time travel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, oh, it's a yeah, very tenuous yeah. try, right? Uh, tie. It's not a huge thing, but it is kind of neat because basically it's the old, you know, the solution is somebody has to stay behind and you get to meet them in the future, have, having them had to come the long way rather yes. than, the, yeah. than the short that's way. One, yeah. You know, so. Well, that's really any a game, a role playing game. I, I'm not going to say any role-playing game, but a role-playing game that is in that is built upon uh, incremental character progression, mm-hmm. the way that Pathfinder and Starfinder are, by its nature makes time travel really difficult because you can never be better 
earlier. You're always better later. And how you, I mean, and then you have to sort of break the progression when you want to do something time traveling. Okay, my 19th level self comes back in time to tell me a thing. All right, well, you've just locked me into what my 19th level build is going to oh, be, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You can. I mean, yeah, no, you could. You could kind of. Yeah, you could weasel yeah. with it a little bit. Say what your nineteenth level self might have become, but then yeah. at that point, you're hardly telling a time. Enough of yeah, that, and you're fair. hardly telling a time travel story. Um, time travel more stories, multiverse, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. T- t- time travel stories do need to have that very tight plotting, which is difficult to do in a sort of. Uh, you know, without this sort of buy-in from players to be like, this is what's going to happen in the future. Oh yeah, I love that. You know, like you know that sort of plotting. Okay, so here's the. I might as well tell you because I don't think I'll ever get a chance to do it. So here's the idea that I would have had for a time travel AP uh, for Starfinder. Uh, the first volume sort of happens when the, the PC sort of like get called to do something in you know maybe an application, right? But at the end of this, some weird nonsense is happening, and so uh, uh, when they get to the end of that volume, they find what they find and actually meet the actual AP's big bad and kill him um and basically when they meet him they're like he's like you you did this to me um and and they're like i we've never met you before and he's like no i'll kill you no this time i'll definitely kill you um or i'll kill you before it even happens or something like that but they finish him off right and what they and, and when they do that they get blasted into the future uh and so they're in the future which is controlled by the big bad i kind of had this idea that maybe the big bads of this would be the uh would be rakshasas uh because mm-hmm. we sort of talked about how rakshasas um uh like to break taboos and what's more taboo than like going back in time and changing the past so in the future uh, the start there's 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 a you know the the world is kind of controlled by um a rakshasa empire or something like that right and so they've got to figure out what's going on there and and then essentially basically maybe hop around in time a little bit in the future right you never hop back pa- past your past your, your your players maybe there's a little bit in there that but you never meet up or whatever something but essentially it, it's a sort of it becomes a, one of those uh, bootstrap paradoxes right uh where you at the final volume you have a fight with the big bad and when you defeat the big bad he's actually sent back in time and weakened essentially to the first uh, uh adventure so that's sort of an you know sort of it's it's a it, it's the classic closed loop kind of stuff right, the, right, that right, would be right. great um the the idea too is that the future would be really weird like the language would be different and it'd be like you'd have to sort of figure out the technology or there'd be like old technology that is like being worshipped in that sort of you know uh oh this is anyway the whole thing would be sort of vaguely uh, the idea was uh, it's really inspired by the comic book paper girls where they're uh, an, uh, in 1983, and they get then they get blasted to the future where they, they where they they find an Apple iPad iPod, and like we don't know what this is, and then they find a time machine, and and in the future there's a there's a, there's a resistance against the the you know the sort of Big Brother corporation, which is kind of weirdly Apple. Um, so yeah, um, it's that kind of stuff, and so that that was that was I had. I didn't have a full outline for it, of course, because you know why work on something if it wasn't going to happen. But I, I started thinking about titles and, and stuff like that because that's oh, where, often where I begin. So what title? Give me what's the title of this adventure? Oh uh, yeah, I've got like um, oh god, now I've forgotten what the titles were. Um, it was it, it would all be like words like you know t- tomorrow's today or like the the it was like, I think it was the, be- the the first one would be called the beginning of the end and the last one would be called the end of the beginning or something like that. Um, time so, all together. Yeah, Coming of, soon to yeah, Starfinder yeah. Infinite. That's uh... I. I thought about it too. I've, I, I've, I've, I've toyed with it in my head to maybe do it, in I, it but I never got I around to it. I can't get people talking about like plot ideas without yes. And yes. Anding all the way through. You talked Fair. about how each one would be like the future would be sort of 
different, weird, and awful, but maybe there's little cases where they get kicked back. Which yeah. one of those would change what the future oh, yeah, is? That's great. Yeah. And so they have to like adjust some initially with big swings, eventually smaller swings to make the future exactly what it needs to be for them to defeat right. this person at the end of the yeah, AP yeah. to send him back to this could be awesome. Yeah. I'll write volume three. I'm good at writing okay, volume great. three. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also a thing. I was like, did I really want to, like, could I sustain that for six volumes? I don't know if I could. It would probably, maybe three, like third, you could three do it three. One. But three, yeah, but yeah, definitely would have been a three right. one, but then I was like, is that enough? You know? So I had a whole, I was going back and forth about it. Um, that's sort of, you know, uh, uh, one of the things, yeah. One of the things I would have really liked to have done. Cause I really enjoyed, time travel stories and doing time time travel in a way that has like self-fulfilling prophecies and and bootstrap paradoxes and that kind of stuff well cool yeah. well uh ron i really appreciate you joining us on the show and uh uh jason allowing this former dude on i appreciate you not getting all <laughs> mad for making room for me I haven't like, like talked to Ron in, a, in in almost a year too so this yeah. is really great to see him this is nice yeah yeah now, I, this is this is going to be a tough part, right? I got to do a oh. sign off. How is this mm-hmm. going to work? Okay. Well, I'm do you want to do the sign off? The f- yeah, let's and I'm do Jason, the, and I'm oh. Ron, and this has been Digital Divination. <laughs> okay, close enough. There we go. Close enough. Close enough. We did it. We did. Right, Without any practice, that's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 